everybody. Welcome to episode 269 of the Running Rogue podcast. I'm coming to you from a beautiful day in Austin, Texas. This is your host, Chris McClung. I'm excited to be back with you after a week off. I was out for spring break with my family skiing last week and decided simply not to post an episode. So thank you for your patience with me and getting to the next one. Here we are, episode 269, and I'm excited today to talk to talk to you about getting the most from your coach. For those of you that are coached athletes or who may be working with a coach in some form, whether that be an in-person coach, a virtual coach, or perhaps a coach that you follow by simply following their schedules provided in some format online in a book or otherwise, I want to talk about getting the most from your coaching relationship and what that athlete role looks like. So I'll get to that topic in just a minute. Before we get there, I've got a listener question to open things up that I wanted to tee up for you. And I think this is a good one. I've actually gotten this question in a few forms from a couple of different places, including from some of my in-person athletes. But this question comes from Kimberly. Kimberly, thank you for listening. She says, I'm a podcast listener and I wondered if you might address something on the podcast if others have had similar questions. I last trained for a full marathon in 2019, and since then I've been running consistently, but I haven't raced. I'm training for a full now, and I found the new McMillan calculator gives some different information than it did before. I was looking for mile, 5K, 10K, half paces as starting points to try out in my workouts, but those times aren't laid out like they used to be. I can find my current paces based on the time I input and can find goal pace, but I can't find the paces that were previously recommended as paces to get to the next level at least not beyond a mile pace. Have you offered guidance in any podcast episodes for how this information is laid out now? If not, would it be worth addressing? Kim, I think it's worth addressing because you're right. Greg McMillan has modified his McMillan calculator to show the information in a little bit of a different format. Personally, I also found it confusing when I went there the first time after the format changed to try to get similar information that I look for when I look for when I go to that calculator as a coach and it confused me initially as well. So you aren't alone. I've also gotten this question from a handful of other places. So I thought it'd be worth addressing the information that's now laid out. If you go to mcmillanrunning.com and you click on his calculator button, if you go to that, the inputs look pretty similar to what you might've seen in the past where you enter a goal time for a goal race distance. You enter a little bit of information about you as a runner in terms of experience level and whether you have strengths as a speedster or an endurance monster. And then you enter a recent race time and hit go and it spits out something. And when you click on it, you'll see two tabs. You'll see a tab on the left that says race times. You'll see a tab on the right that says training paces and then down below a bunch of other buttons. The intuition is to naturally click that training paces button, which now essentially lays out training per mile paces for each of various things you might do in training from a recovery run to an easy run to a long run down to what you might be doing and targeting by interval. And the assumption built into that training paces tab, from my perspective, is that there are certain implied purposes involved in running each of those distances. And so he's essentially giving you a pace per mile range. Anytime you might run X distance as an interval, like an 800, a thousand, et cetera. 
that to me is not an intuitive way to lay out that information and also presupposes the purpose that a coach might have for that interval. And that may fit if you're following a McMillan training program itself, but it may not fit if you have another coach who goes and tells you to run a thousand meters that might be trying to achieve a different purpose. So what I recommend is not actually clicking that training paces tab, but instead clicking the race times tab, which will show you the information that you had typically seen before, which will give you a column for your goal time and a column for your current time and tell you from mile to marathon what pace you could run theoretically for each of those distances based on that information input. And so from there, you can pull off the marathon, the half marathon, the 5K, the 10K target times and use those in workouts based on the purpose provided by your coach. And if your coach tells you to run a 5K time or 5K pace for a given interval, then you can pull that time off of that race times tab and use that as your target for those intervals. So that is my recommendation to you and to others that I would advise on how to use that calculator now is I would, for the most part, ignore that training paces tab that he's created unless you're following a Millen program and focus on that race times tab, which gives you the information in the format that you're used to seeing. So hopefully that answers your question and clarifies things a bit. It does make, give me a mental note that perhaps I need to get McMillan himself perhaps back on to talk about these, these changes to his calculator to help people all understand the thought process going into it. I know Greg is heavily thoughtful and really detail oriented. So I know that it was done with the absolute best intent but I do find that the layout is confusing, especially if you're used to the old format. So hopefully that answers your question, Kimberly. Thank you for listening and thank you for asking. And I would suspect you weren't the only one thinking of that question. So hopefully we've helped others as well. Okay, so that's quick intro question. Another quick shout out I wanted to give before I jump into the main topic is I want to give a shout out to Inside Tracker. They've extended my partnership from the beginning of the year and i'll have another offer for you coming in the middle of the episode so stay tuned for that but i wanted to thank inside tracker for sponsoring this episode okay let's jump into my topic about getting the most from your coaching relationship getting the most from your coaching relationship and again i think this applies whether you have an in-person coach whether you have a coach that you work with virtually or not all of these points, but some of these points would also apply to if you were following a coach's program that you read in a book or pulled off online. Again, not quite as applicable there, but there are still some of the principles in this discussion that will apply. And I just, I want to lay out from my perspective as a coach, and by the way, as an athlete, what I think the three key pillars are to getting the most from your coaching relationship. And under each of those three pillars, I've got a bunch of other sub points, but I want to lay that out for you so that you can make sure that you're getting the most from your coaching relationship. And it may also highlight for you and underscore for you some of the value points that you might be getting from a coaching relationship or that you could be getting and haven't yet gotten because you haven't leaned into it in the right ways. So we're going to lay out three pillars 
of a strong and healthy coaching relationship that will allow you to be the best version of you as an athlete. Before I jump into those three pillars, though, I did want to make a couple of notes about why this topic has come to mind, because I suspect I'll have some athletes that I coach out there that are thinking that maybe something that someone of them did prompted this episode. And I just wanted to say that's not true. There's no passive. This is not a passive aggressive message to anybody that I coach. This is actually more a reflection of my own personal journey as I reflect on working with Coach Kathy, who I had on a couple of episodes ago, and prior coaches that I've worked with, and me thinking about making sure I'm getting the most from my coach-athlete relationship as I work with Kathy in this case, and what those components are and how those have evolved over time with different coaches. And so I've been reflecting on that a little bit on the back of having Kathy on the episode and on the back of working with her for the last close to a year and a half. And so it prompts, it's it's prompted more from that thought process than anything else, but certainly a collection of my history and coaching with athletes also is coming to bear with this episode, but it is not, I repeat, not a, a passive aggressive message to any one of you out there that might be thinking, is he talking about me? That is not the case. I'm not thinking about any one person or any specific situations with this conversation. So let's jump in. I've got three pillars to talk about for you to get the most out of your coach-athlete relationship. Those three pillars are trust, communication, and ownership. Trust, communication, and ownership. And I'll dive into each of those in turn and talk about some sub-bullets under each one. I should also quickly mention before I get into trust that if you want to go back and listen to episode 139, that's an episode where James Dodds and I talked about choosing a coach. And you may be in a place where you don't yet have a coach. So you could go back potentially to episode 139 to think about how you might choose a coach. I highly recommend getting a coach in some form if you don't have one, if you're serious about getting your goals. And you can use episode 139 to pick one. You can also listen to this one and and think about how to make sure you're optimizing that relationship when you get to it. So let's jump in with trust. Trust is the most important component perhaps of many relationships, whether that be a friendship, whether that be a committed love type relationship. And it's certainly important with a coach-athlete relationship. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about what that means from a trust perspective. And some of this may even go into how you think about choosing a coach because you want to choose a coach that you can trust. But the first bullet point, sub bullet point here under trust is that you have to believe in your coach. You have to believe in your coach. You have to believe in their credentials. You have to believe in their knowledge. You have to believe in their style doesn't mean you necessarily have to agree with every single thing they say, but you do need to fundamentally believe that this is someone who, in partnership with you, can get you where you want to go. And that is absolutely critical, and maybe it's an obvious point, but I've certainly seen, observed coach-athlete relationships where where it was clear that the athlete didn't believe in their coach. I've also had a handful of athletes that I've coached that didn't 
believe in me for one reason or another. And I think it's important to acknowledge that that isn't necessarily a bad thing in a sense that it doesn't mean something is wrong with the athlete or necessarily that something is wrong with the coach if that belief isn't there. It just means that for whatever reason, that coach-athlete relationship match from that perspective of belief isn't the right one, that there aren't the components, the recipe, the chemistry there for whatever reason to foster that belief. And again, so it doesn't mean something's wrong with you as an athlete if you don't have belief. It doesn't mean something's wrong necessarily with your coach if they haven't fostered that belief. It just means for whatever reason, the recipe between those two individuals isn't there, but it has to be. And I would encourage everyone who has a coach to ask themselves, do I believe? And or are there pockets of disbelief? And if there are pockets of disbelief or, or areas where you're, you're not seeding full trust, then I would encourage you to step into those pockets and evaluate internally what's might, what might be causing you to hold back. And I would also encourage you to openly have a conversation with your coach about some of that belief. It could be, and we'll get to a point later about communication, About it could be about asking questions. And sometimes you just need to ask questions, understand where your coach is coming from or why they might be pointing you in a certain direction so that you can then internalize that belief. So you have to trust, you have to believe in that coach. And I think this can come in a couple of different forms. This can come in the form of that which we've talked about it on this podcast before that quote, dumb athlete, dumb, not in a sense of intellectually and lacking, but dumb in a sense that that dumb athlete who is just willing to, without thinking about it, follow the advice and guidance of the coach. And to be honest, as an athlete, that's more the bucket I tend to fall in is I don't, even though I have the capability to write my own programming, to coach myself, I don't believe in myself as my own coach because of the fact that it's harder to push yourself than perhaps anybody else when you're when you're trying to get an outside objective view. And so when I have a coach, and I've had several through the years, I've also coached myself by the way, but but I don't do that anymore. But as I've had a coach, I tend to put full trust in them and just do what they say without really thinking about it, without digging too much into it. That doesn't say I turn my, I, I don't turn my brain completely off. But for example, you know, my coach, Kathy, she sends us weekly emails on Sunday, which are very eloquently written. And I read most of them. But when it comes to the workout details, to be honest, I don't read those details at great length or, or evaluate them or overthink them. I simply note them, show up, and do the work as laid out because I trust completely the program that she has put together for us. And I don't need to think about it. I don't need to overthink it. I don't need to think, oh, should I do this or that? Because I know she has my best interest in mind in terms of getting my goals. And so I trust it and turn my brain off, essentially. There are also athletes that can't do that, that want to understand the reasons why they do everything. And that's not bad either. It just means that that coach-athlete relationship needs to look a little bit different so that when those questions pop up or when you're not sure about something, you can have that conversation in order to work through it and then move on. 
And so this form of belief can look differently depending on your style, depending on your personality, depending on your relationship with your coach, but it has to be there and you have to continue to foster it because if there becomes a point where for whatever reason you don't believe, then it's either a time to question whether something needs to change in that relationship or maybe you just need to lean in and dig into the current approach and philosophy so that you can refoster that or redevelop that belief. Or it could be a sign that 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 belief is exhausted and can't be salvaged and you need to move on to somebody else. Again, doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong with you. Doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong with your coach. Just for whatever reason, if that recipe, if that chemistry, if that dynamic isn't working any longer, that's in, in a way that's not fostering belief, then it may be time. So trust lead off point here is you have to believe. Once that belief is established in whatever form, then trust comes in the form of just doing the work, just doing the work. Your coach tells you to do something, do it. Now, I'll put a caveat on that, that certainly if something pops up, you have a tweak, a niggle that you have to address that might prevent you from doing the work, or you have some other scheduling conflict that needs to cause change in the program and the plan. I'm not talking about those things here because always there should be a two-way dialogue when something like that pops up. But I'm just talking about when when you're in rhythm, when it's everything's going well, or when it's just time to put your head down and execute just to the work as prescribed. And that again also sounds simple, sounds simple like belief. But oftentimes, I think this can be places where we, where we mess up or show perhaps a lack of trust by not doing the work. And I'm not talking about the absence of work necessarily. I may be talking about following the prescription provided, where if your coach says to run this pace on the interval, you decide to creep that up a little bit and run a little bit faster because you're not quite trusting what they have for you. So that's also a version of not doing the work. When I say do the work, I mean do the work, get it done as prescribed, follow the plan, the paces, follow the intervals, and the purpose of the workout so that it fits into the overall plan provided by that coach. So do the work in the fullest sense, not just get it done, but do, do get it done as prescribed. And that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect in execution. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about your intent and your goal with execution. If you're trying to do the work to the best of your ability as prescribed, then that's all you can ask for. That's what I'm talking about. If execution's a little bit off and you mess up here or there because you're a little too fast or hot or maybe a little too slow or maybe you're just having a bad day, all of those things happen. Those are things to draw lessons from and move on. But if you're intense there and you give it your best to execute as prescribed, that's what I'm talking about here. Huge part of trust is just doing the work because that piece of the puzzle was crafted by your coach in a way where it fits uniquely into the plan. And if you get it in your head that there needs to be something different, then we have a problem. 
then you're going to suboptimize your work with that coach. So trust, believe, do the work. The last point I want to make here kind of gets to this idea of that sort of dumb athlete versus that athlete who is a little more inquisitive. Again, not placing judgment on either approach because I know everybody has different personalities and either can work. But as a part of this trust bucket, I want to encourage you not to overthink things. Not to overthink things. I had a time in my life as an athlete where I would do that. I'm an analytical person. And I'm deep in knowledge as a coach, as an athlete. You know, I originally got into coaching as a way to coach myself so that I wouldn't get injured again in marathon training. And so I have that background. And there would be times when I would overthink. Here's the workout, but is it the right one? Should I do it this way or that way? You know, are the paces right? All of those questions that naturally come up when you're showing up for a workout, I would focus on those questions instead of just doing the prior point, which is just do the work as prescribed. So I'm encouraging you, even if you have questions, even if you're inquisitive and wondering, certainly ask those things. But at the end of the day, once you've gotten through that, once you've had your questions answered, once you've had that debate, then settle it in your mind. Don't overthink it. Do the work, believe, and move on. And one thing I want to underscore here is this idea that no one workout in a cycle, in a year, in the broad spectrum of multiple years and maybe even multiple decades of work, no one workout matters in the grand scheme. Certainly, we try to put the pieces together as coaches as precisely as possible. But the reality is, you could sub sub out those pieces, you could move those pieces around a little bit, and likely still get outcomes that are in line with you hitting your goals. That's within a cycle. And then if you look across cycles, there's a lot more flexibility, ultimately, at the end of the day, in terms of the things you could do, the paths you could take. There are many roads to getting your goals. So ultimately, you can question everything to the nth detail, but but at the very end of the day, it all doesn't matter that much if you're talking about those specific details. What matters is doing the work, doing the work consistently over time. No one workout will make or break you or allow you to hit your goal or not. The ultimate thing that matters is stringing together those workouts that are put together with the right intent, assembled with the right intent, just doing those consistently, putting together a training cycle of them, putting together a year of them, putting together multiple years of them. And if you do that, you will get your goals. So, If you have that in mind, if you have that perspective in mind, then it will allow you to operate without putting so much weight on every little detail that goes into the work. And by the way, this I think is productive both for thinking about getting the most from your coach, but also just from being an athlete. Don't overthink it. Go, 
execute to the best of your ability, take your lessons, put it behind you, and move on. Be consistent. Think about the larger body of work. See the forest. Don't focus on the trees because that's going to allow you to ultimately get the most of your potential. So number one point here, trust. Believe in your coach. Do the work they prescribe and don't overthink it. That's my summary of point one. Before we get to points two and three, I want to talk about Inside Tracker. They are a partner of mine, started working with me this year. I'm excited to have them on board because I've been getting blood testing from them that is giving me good information about how to be my best athletic self. So let's talk about Inside Tracker. They are a company that was founded in 2009 by scientists that specialize in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Their goal is to give you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes by looking at your blood work, your DNA, as well as data from your fitness tracking devices. And all of those three things together will give you outputs that give you recommendations on how to reach your performance goals. One of the things that's cool about Inside Tracker is this inner age concept that they have where they will give you what your inner age is versus what your age is on your driver's license. Mine came out to be 39, even though I'm about to turn 43 in July. And so they're going to tell you what that ticking clock actually looks like on the inside and then give you recommendations for boosting your metabolism, reducing your stress levels, improving your sleep and optimizing your health and performance for the long term. It's a really powerful tool. I highly recommend that you check them out. You can do so using my code by going to insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue. That's rogue spelled R-O-G-U-E for 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. So go to insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue to get your inner age and to get those recommendations for boosting your performance. So go check it out. Okay, let's jump into topic number two. We talked about trust. Now we're going to talk about my second pillar for having an optimized coaching relationship, and that is communication. So you might be asking, well, what should I be communicating about with my coach? And again, that's going to look a little bit different depending on what you've worked out with your coach in terms of the communication dynamics and so forth it might also vary depending on your personality and what you might need from a coach. But there are four areas that I want to talk about where I think you should be making sure you communicate in some form, whatever form works best for your relationship, communicate in some form in order to make sure that they have the right information from you to help you be your best self, but also that you're getting the right information back from them to make sure that you're on track with your goals. So I've got four different things that I think you should prioritize talking about with your coach in some form. Again, that could be a conversation, that could be an email, it could be a text, it could be a post on a message board in the case of uh, the virtual podcast athletes that I work for. But these are some areas that I think you should be thinking about communicating with your coach. First and foremost, and this is foundational, You should be communicating your purpose in the sport, your reasons for getting, for going after your goals, for chasing that time on the clock or that distance you might be shooting for. 
Why do you want what you want? What's the purpose behind your goals? I think this is foundational as an athlete. You should know this. If you don't know this, you should spend some time reflecting on it. And once you do learn it, you absolutely need to tell your coach why you want what you want. It will help them help you in a way that's hard to quantify. As a coach, for me, it's always the first thing I typically ask when having these conversations with athletes is, why do you do this? Because that helped me understand their motivation, which tells me a lot about how to work with them individually, how to drive them, how to keep them motivated, what to do if they struggle, how to make sure we're on track. There's so many things that that purpose can inform. And I need you to tell your coach about it. And if you haven't done that homework, do that homework and then tell them so that they have all the information they need to make sure they can keep you fired up and going towards your goal. So that's point number one, communicate your purpose, your why. Point number two here is you need to be communicating when you have issues and niggles. This may be my number one pet peeve as a coach. And again, I'm not naming names. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm not pointing at anybody because this has happened so many times. I can't count as a coach through the years, but it's probably my number one pet peeve. And this is when someone has an issue that they don't tell me about for three weeks until suddenly it's preventing them from running at all. And then we're trying to triage to figure out what that is, what's going on. And then also having to take some time off, perhaps from running while we're working through it versus being able to work through it in the moment when it's still small. So you have to, have to, have to tell your coach when you're having even the smallest issue. Now, certainly as athletes, we will develop that filter that tells us, is this little niggle something that's just a soreness that might go away tomorrow? Or is this little niggle that's going to turn into a bigger niggle that will eventually take me out. And you have some instincts around that. But even if you don't, even if you're still developing those instincts, if you're not sure whether or not you should be concerned about something, then absolutely communicate about it with your coach the moment it pops up so that you can make real-time adjustments, both in terms of the work that you're doing, but also perhaps the preventive work that you could be doing in order to work through that issue whether it be self-massage, whether it be getting a professional massage, whether it be doing certain physical therapy work, whether it be seeing a practitioner that could proactively help you make sure it doesn't become an issue, please, please communicate with your coach as early as possible about potential injuries as they come up, even before you might even classify them as an injury. This is my number one thing. And it will probably stay my number one thing. And I will tell you that as athletes, you also need to be really honest with yourself about this stuff. And for me, as an athlete who's been doing this for 20 plus years, I know immediately when a pain is something that's more than just a little soreness that might go away tomorrow. I know immediately. And that should prompt action immediately to make sure it doesn't become something bigger. 
You need to communicate about that with your coach. You need to be honest with it about with yourself. And then you need to get ahead of it so that it's something that you can work through while maintaining some load versus have to take time off. So please communicate about your injuries. Or I should say your little issues or niggles before they become injuries. Third point here is I want you communicating with your coach about key workouts. Key workouts. You know, we all have those workouts in a schedule, regardless of the distance that you're training for, especially once you get into that race specific phase of training that you know are big key workouts where it's all about nailing your paces, hitting the distances, completing the workout, perhaps doing that big long run for a marathon with pace work inside of it, perhaps doing a key 5k paced workout if you're training for a 5k. We all know intuitively when those big workouts show up on our calendar and oftentimes our coaches will cue us into that and say, hey, this is a big one and I know it. And so it's important to take it seriously. And so my belief is that you should be communicating with your coach about how those workouts go open and honestly. And that's not just about communicating how many reps you did and the pace you did them at. It's also about communicating how you felt throughout so that your coach can use that information to then assimilate that into later plans for your work, but also into your race planning itself. And this is where I would make a distinction between the data you might see uploaded into a system or platform like Strava or Garmin Connect or Training Peaks. There's a difference between that raw data and the qualitative description and discussion about how you felt. And I think the latter part is most important in this equation. The raw data, obviously important because that's going to allow your coach, your coach to see certain things. But more important than that, they need to know how it felt to do those things. And so that's where you want to be communicating to your coach. It can be a simple, short message, email, text, word, you know, directly in person to just say, hey, nailed the workout, felt great. Or, hey, nailed the workout, but it was really hard to do it. Or maybe it was a total disaster and here's why and here's what happened. But you need to be communicating that information so they know how that work should be characterized in terms of what was accomplished with it so that we can then take that information and use it later, not only for perhaps adjusting, modifying workouts, but also for creating race plans, getting target times for races and, and information that will ultimately affect the outcomes of a training cycle. So communicate how those key workouts went, not just the raw data, but also the qualitative information about how you felt. Fourth thing under this communication bucket is I want you to ask questions when you have them. I want you to ask questions when you have them. And I would tell you that most coaches that I've worked with directly or interacted with in some other format, we coach because we love it. We coach 100% because we love it. Oftentimes the money isn't great. Oftentimes the hours can be crazy. Oftentimes, you don't get thank yous. There's not necessarily payback, direct payback. 
but we coach because we love it. We love helping people through this sport. And for most of us, you can't over-communicate. You can't over-communicate. You can't bother us with updates, with questions. And, and there are, again, some people that fall into that, quote, dumb athlete category that can just execute a training plan without thinking about it, put full 100% trust in their coach. And that's more or less me at this stage in my running career. And that's an okay place to be. But if you're not there, or if you're there, but sometimes you still aren't sure why you're doing something, or if you look at it and you think, man, that's doesn't look right. You know, maybe that looks too much or that pace isn't quite right. Ask, ask. And there's a couple reasons to ask. One is because you want to get that information. You want to find out the why. And I promise you, every coach doesn't write programs blindly. They think about the why as they put together a program. And so they're going to have an answer for you. And it may not be an eloquent textbook oriented answer. Maybe it relates to their gut feelings. There could be a lot of reasons for putting something inside a schedule. But if you're not sure why something fits, then ask away. The other reason it's important occasion to ask these questions is because occasionally we make mistakes as coaches. Sometimes when I'm writing a workout, I write it down wrong for whatever reason. It might be I have one thing in my head and I put it on paper typing things out and I just write it down wrong. Make a typo, whatever that may be. And so sometimes I've gotten questions like, did you really mean to say that? That looks hard or that doesn't look right, whatever it may be. And sometimes it's what I intended, but sometimes I just made a mistake and we as coaches make mistakes. And so when you have something pop up as an athlete that doesn't make sense to you on the communication you've gotten from your coach, then ask the question because either that'll give you an opportunity to learn the why, learn the purpose so that you can funnel and foster the belief in the program or Two, maybe you'll uncover something that was a mistake that occasionally happens with us as coaches. And the third thing that could potentially happen is that question may prompt the coach to make a shift for whatever reason, because perhaps it causes them to question something in their head, or maybe they in their head, as sometimes we do, are kind of torn between two paths, potentially two different workouts and You know, you end up choosing one because that's what your gut tells you perhaps, but maybe that question prompts you to think, oh, maybe I should go the other direction because that may be what might be best for the mental state of you as an athlete. So there are a lot of potential outcomes from these questions, but I would just encourage you that if you have questions about what you're seeing, just ask because it's going to lead to you fostering and developing belief in that coach-athlete relationship that will only help make it stronger. So ask questions. So those are my four things. Communicate about your purpose. Tell your coach your why and communicate when and if that changes. Two, talk about injuries. And as early as an issue pops up, talk about it, communicate with your coach about it so that you can preempt that becoming something that takes you out. Give updates on your key workouts, not just the data, but also the qualitative, and then ask those questions when they come. And I assure you, as I just mentioned, you can't typically over-communicate 
with your coaches. If there are clear boundaries about communication, they will tell you. Or if for whatever reason you crossed that line, they will tell you. Or at least you could ask them to tell you if you've crossed a line. But for the most part, coaches are going to want you to over-communicate rather than under-communicate. Because that gives us, allows us to have full information and context as we're writing a program. And that may not be your style as an individual. I'm an introverted person who doesn't typically communicate heavily with my coach. But if I have questions, I promise you I will ask them. So within the context of your style, I would prioritize you communicating with your coach about those four things. Okay, last pillar here of fostering a good coach-athlete relationship is ownership. Ownership. This is you as an athlete taking ownership of the situation. Because yes, they are your coach. Coach, yes, ultimately your outcomes are dependent on that relationship that you have. But you as an athlete still have a role to play. It is a partnership that is at least equal in terms of you getting your goals. One thing I tell athletes when typically when I'm new and working with them is that once they tell me what their goal is, their goal is now my goal. And I promise you when someone doesn't get it or when they get it, I feel it the same way that they do. It might manifest a little bit differently, but I feel the joy. I feel the heartache. I feel the disappointment. I feel the fear in going into races. So I feel it with you and we're at least equal partners, but, but we have to be equal partners because ultimately at the end of the day, your coach isn't running the workout. Your coach isn't typically seeing you in every moment of your training cycle, even for those elites that have a coach that's working with just them and maybe a handful of other athletes, they're still not seeing that athlete in every moment of their training. They're not seeing every easy run. They're not seeing every moment of recovery work. So that means that the athlete has a significant portion of time where they have to take ownership of what's happening. And so it's really, really important that you take ownership of the situation, just like your coach is going to take ownership of it. And so what does that mean? I've got three things for you. One is that I want you as an athlete to be solution-oriented, to be solution-oriented, and to be thinking about solutions yourself. So what does that mean? And, and, and I say this not as an admonition in a sense that you shouldn't just bring, you know, you shouldn't bring problems, just solutions. I, I'm not saying it in that sense. I'm saying in a sense of, I want you thinking independently as an athlete, as you approach your coach about what might be going on. So that can manifest in a few different ways. A couple of examples. One could be, I've got a vacation coming up and I need to modify my training program to fit around that vacation. So as an athlete, I want you to be thinking about how would I solve this problem? Don't go to your coach and say, hey, I've got this vacation. How should I modify? Don't just do that. That's an okay way to approach it. You should certainly ask that of your coach. 
But even better, you should go and say, hey, I've got this vacation coming up. I've thought about it. And I was thinking I could modify this in order to make it all fit together so that I don't lose too much. What do you think, coach? Or it could be a situation where you might have a little injury that's kind of lingering or popping up and you might say, hey, got this issue that I'm dealing with. Here are the details about it. How might I modify this workout in order to manage that load so that I don't push myself over the edge? Here's what I was thinking. What do you think, coach? And so that's how I want you to be thinking as, as an athlete. It's about bringing solutions to the situation always because it, it creates an opportunity for you to be an independent thinker in the equation. It also creates an opportunity for a dynamic relationship with your coach. Ultimately, because we can't be there with you all the time, there are moments when you're going to have to make decisions on your own as an athlete. And one of the things that I prioritize as a coach is equipping people with information so that they can make those decisions on their own, so that they can trust their gut on their own in those moments when I'm not there. And in order to foster that ability in order to foster that thinking, you have to practice it. And so I would just encourage you when you, whenever you have those situations pop up where you're thinking, I need to change this or I need to modify that for whatever reason, instead of just going to your coach and saying, Hey, you tell me what to do. Instead say, Hey, this is what I was thinking. This is what I propose. This is my potential solution. What do you think, coach? And that gives you the that gives you the ability to think through it, to develop that ability, that strength to manage yourself. But it also gives you your coach ability to say, hey, love that idea. Perfect. Go with it. Or no, I don't think that's right. Let me tell you why. And here's another alternative. And then you learn. Either way, you learn. You learn by thinking through it on your own. And then you also learn by your coach laying out a solution for you that might be different. So be solution oriented as an athlete, be thinking about how you might approach it before you go to your coach with it so that you can foster that instinct on your own. And as a part of that, I would encourage you as athletes to trust your gut, to trust your gut. Again, as I said at the top, No one workout matters in the grand, grand scheme of things. So if you screw something up by making your own independent decision for whatever reason, you really can't screw things up. We can always fix it. We can always get back to the consistent work as our baseline. So don't worry about it. Don't overthink it, but bring your own solutions. Follow your gut and bring those to your coach and say, hey, this is what I was thinking. What do you think, coach? So that's point number one, be solution oriented. Think about those solutions on your own. Point two, relatedly, is that especially I want you to do your own work around racing times and targets and racing plans, racing times and targets and racing plans. Again, this is something that will ultimately be mutually created between you and your coach when it comes to your goal races. You want to sit down with them You want to say, hey, this is how training's gone. This is what the goal is. This is what my target should be in the race. This is the plan to execute in the race to get it. All of that is certainly a mutual discussion between an athlete and a coach. 
but I encourage you to go in having thought through it. What time should I run? What am I ready for based on my training? And what should my race plan be based on what I know about that target and this course? Do your own independent work in thinking around that. That is critical for a couple of reasons. One, because as a coach, myself, my style is I'm always going to ask you first. I need to know where your head is relative to your target time. Personally, one of my strengths as a coach, one of the things that I would consider a coaching superpower is my ability to see someone's body of work and be able to have really good intuition about what's possible for them on race day. That is a strength of mine. I will always have a perspective on what someone can do if they're working with me as an athlete, but I will never tell them first for the most part. Maybe there's occasions where I've I've done that, but I will never tell them first for the most part. I will always want to hear first what they think is possible because that tells me not only where they are from a training perspective in their mind, but also it tells me what we might need to work on from a mental perspective, from a confidence perspective to then go chase what I think is truly possible. Because for a marathon, for example, you have to be willing to believe or you have to be able to believe in what you're doing as much as you have to have done the work to do it. And so when I ask that question of an athlete, what do you think you should target? then part of me is trying to understand that part of the equation. And, and so you need to do that work so that your coach can, can have that assessment. But the other part is it allows you to also be ready and equipped mentally to execute your race plan. If you've done the thinking yourself and then you, in collaboration with your coach, finalize that plan, it will only be internalized more in a way that will allow you to execute it more effectively. If you've done your own thinking about how to execute a race plan, and then in collaboration with your coach, whether or not it stays the same, they change it a little bit or they change it dramatically. If you've done your own thinking, then you've developed your own ability to actually execute that race plan in a way that's going to be more powerful than if you just purely accept the plan from your coach. Because that means you've, you've thought about the train, you've internalized the course, you've internalized the dynamics of the course, you've thought about the strategies and how you might approach each, and all of that becomes more internalized when you've done your own work, regardless of whether it's the final version of the plan or not, so that when you have to go do it on race day, it's inside you. It's ready to come out versus it being some foreign thing that someone has told you that you haven't fully adapted to be your own. So point number two here in ownership is always, always, always do your own work in thinking about what your target time should be and what your racing plan should look like. And it's okay if you aren't sure, if you're, you know, sometimes you might be really confident. Sometimes you might have very little confidence in whatever time or thought process you put out there, but take a stab at it, give it a shot, and then openly communicate with your coach about where you are with it. 
You might say, hey, this is what I believe in. I'm super confident in this. You might say, hey, this is what I'm thinking, but I have no idea. Let's talk through it. But here's the information I used to get there. Just be open if you're not sure about why. And then you can have that collaborative conversation with your coach to hone in on your plan. So that's point number two around ownership. So be solution oriented. Do your own work, especially around racing targets and race plans. And then the last thing I will say is that remember that ultimately the results are your own. This idea and concept is this idea of radical personal responsibility. Ultimately, the results are your own. They are not your coaches. They are not your teammates' results even though they may have significantly attributed or contributed to it, they are ultimately your own. And I say this not to take the weight and pressure off of me as a coach. And I, I also am not trying to abdicate credit or blame when somebody gets their goal. Because believe me, I know when I've contributed to getting someone somewhere and, and I don't need that from an ego standpoint at all. But I love being a part of people's journeys. I love helping them get to certain places. And when I see them get there, it's hugely personally fulfilling to me. But that aside, I believe it's really important as an athlete to take radical personal responsibility in your outcomes. Ultimately, you chose your coach. Ultimately, you trusted, communicated in the ways you did in order to get the most from that coach. Ultimately, you ran the miles. Ultimately, you did the work. Ultimately, you suffered through the race and either got it done or didn't. And so you need to take radical personal responsibility for that outcome and then reflect on what that means. If you got your goal, celebrate it, not just in terms of what you did, but sure, celebrate the contributions and the support you had from your coach and your teammates. But more importantly, recognize that you were the primary player in that. And then on the other side, if you don't get your goal, then take a hard look in the mirror as to what you could have done differently to get there. Don't blame others. Don't blame the weather or outside conditions, even though those may be objective reasons why your race didn't go the way it should have or the way you wanted to. Still be willing to take a hard look in the mirror, take radical personal responsibility about your results, and then ask yourself, what could I have done differently? Not in a self-flagellating sense, not in a sense of beating yourself up, not in a sense of, of downplaying those external factors, but just in a, a pure objective sense of, hey, what could I have done differently to put myself in a better position? Internalize those two or three lessons and then take radical res personal responsibility about changing them in a way that's going to allow you to get your goal next time. So I want to be clear. I'm not telling you that coaches don't matter. I'm not telling you that coaches aren't helping you. I'm not telling you that your teammates don't matter or aren't helping you. It takes a village to get goals in this sport. Believe me. But I just am reminding you that the very center of that, the very core, 
is an individual athlete that ultimately has significant responsibility in the path to getting goals, to reaching potential. And I want you at the end of the day to remember that and take the radical personal responsibility you need to take in order to inspire action so that you continue to do the things you need to do to control the elements you can control in order to get your goals. Because ultimately, the coach you work with is a tool in your toolbox, is a part of the equation. And you have a bunch of other components that you have to own yourself. And so in working with your coach, take your own responsibility about making sure you get the most from that relationship by trusting them, believing, doing the work, don't overthink it, communicating well Cross those elements that I mentioned, purpose, injury issues, workouts, questions you might have, and then take full ownership of it so that you can ultimately control as much as you can control about your path to reaching whatever dream you might have. That is my final word for you. So with that, we'll wrap this one. I'll remind you about... My partnership with Inside Tracker here. If you want to get 20% off any of their products, go to insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue. You can also check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. If you have a question for me, like Kimberly did, you can email me, Chris at roguerunning.com. You can also slide into my Instagram DMs at Rogue Chris. I'll be back to you with another episode next week. We'll talk to you then.